today's topic is um, reformation uh, through worship. And the worship service has so many hiccups, didn't it? I was in my office going, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I could just hear people going, Pastor, 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 come out. I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> Y'all better worship the Lord. <laughs> I mean, in the history of praise and worship, I've never seen anything like that here. I think we had the most complications, in my opinion, that we've ever seen in one service. Hmm. I think the absolute worst complications. We had complications before service, complications during service. Absolute worst. Um, maybe it has something to do with worship. Stefan's dance is exactly on target for today. Um, our mission, Voice of the Martyrs story, is exactly on target for today. Uh, so I love the idea that the Lord is moving to make sure that everything that he wants done is done. I don't know if you recognize that everything that you see around you, including yourself, was brought into physical being through words. And that is the conduit that the father chose, his words. And then his word became flesh in Jesus. Conduit means that is the, the method, the, the avenue, the way that he chose and he chose it through words. And this is not about the power of the tongue exactly. It's about understanding the purpose of the preached word. It is designed not to just be a motivational speech, but by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to actually bring about change in an individual. And it is my experience that sometimes I am so close to my members that they forget that these words are supposed to bring about change and they're not up for debate, nor do they need your opinion. And it's my fault, truly, for being way too close with people that do not remember the most important fact. At the end of the day, who I am in Christ is very clear to me, even when you forget who I am. And most times you forget who I am because you have no certainty of who you are. And so you expect that I might forget from time to time as you are unsure, but I am not. The idea of worshiping God is to use uh, your body, your words, your sacrifice, all these kind of things in terms of identifying his magnificence, his being, he is the great I am. Ever so often, I come in contact with darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in contact with darkness before. And when I have to explain to people situations, the only thing they can say is, ooh, that's dark. When you come in contact with darkness and you have the light of God, it is clear that it's darkness. It's heavy. It's weighted. People are groping for what they should do, how they should do. Everything is 
is pretty much in a panic because if you can't see, people don't like that feeling, right? It's hard to access their true feelings from their not true feelings. It's hard to figure out where they are and where they should be going. And one with the light can just go, you are so very lost. Darkness is extremely uncomfortable for a believer. It puts us in a mindset that is not healthy. It torments our hearts, drags us down, weighs us down. If darkness could overcome light, which it cannot, it would attempt to smother out every aspect of blessing that God gives us, every aspect of mercy that God gives us. How do I know? Because you begin to say things like, well, God never does that for me. And it's always been that way for me. And, it's, and you know, you, you start to make huge, uh, fail uh, swooping statements about God that are completely wrong and ultimately a lie because of the weight of darkness. It won't let you see. When I talk to people that I feel have drifted into the darkness or some boldly stomp right into it, I'm, I'm perplexed. That's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be honest. As your pastor, I don't know what the heck is wrong with y'all. I don't. You can look side eye at me if you want to, but I can go even further if you like. Oh, okay. You ain't got to give me no attitude, baby. I can be the craziest of all of us with words, words that have power. So keep fooling up. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Very nice. Very nice. Again, you taking this the wrong, you forget who I am in the Lord. And I ain't forgotten. I can't figure out what's wrong with y'all. I just can't put it together. Because you notice the blessings of God. You notice his, his forgiveness, you notice his love, you, you notice his mercy, his kindness, but it is never sufficient for you to turn your life completely over. Jesus. Jesus. I would say in this room, it's probably roughly about 2%, maybe three, that have said my life is completely turned over. Everybody else is struggling with this idea. Sometimes it's turned over, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you surrender, sometimes you don't. Sometimes when things are really bad, you got no choice but surrender. Your girlfriend broke up with you, your boyfriend broke up with you. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. I love you, Jesus. And then when you get somebody else, now it's, uh-uh, I'm not sure if, that's, if Christianity is for me. And you think he gonna keep letting you do that. Oh, okay. You dumb. That's what I'm saying. I don't even know. Please, this, I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Because you do things that you really think the God of all gods and creator of your being should tolerate. Jesus. Like you really think you're that cute. You must. You must think that you're that cute, that smart, just so charming that he'll just keep letting you play him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
trying to test to see if he's good. Baby, he proved that to you. Ain't nothing else left to be done. And in my mind, I watch you all struggle with wanting your own life and wanting and then surrendering to God back and forth. And I, I, I stay up at night thinking, what the heck is wrong with you? It doesn't make any sense to me. So today I'm hoping that this topic would convert those who are lukewarm. Because you need conversion. Those who are double-minded, because you need conversion. And that you will put your whole foot on the side with the Lord and never go back. Because that is possible. It's your persistence, isolation, back and forth that really makes you feel like living completely for God is not necessarily possible. And you sound dumb. And you look like a fool. And I don't mean like a fool for God. You look like a fool for Satan. Because he can always use you and you're so silly. Because you don't even care. You don't care until it costs you something. You don't care that Satan use you until it costs you something. Until you sick. Until your body hurt. Until I tell you to leave the church. Then, then oh no, I should have let Satan use me. But you didn't care when he was using you. You've been too easy on yourself. Put your little knife right here. Oh, it hurts so bad. And then you take it down. You're not dead. You're very much so alive. And I don't feel any sympathy for you. It's beginning to become problematic because you are being used as a wolf in this church. Your cunning abilities to draw and pull others into sin. Your overwhelming pressure. How Satan uses you to buffet other people when they're trying to do good. Your selfishness. Your, your, your melancholy. I mean, I got people, this is funny. I got people that will come to my house. Right now, it's only really one person. This one person come to my house, and nine times out of ten, when she walks in my door, her face is melancholy. Hey, Pastor, it's me. And I be thinking to myself, I didn't ask you to come here. You asked me to come here. Because if I show up at a place that I want to be, when I, when I want to be there, I'm like, hey, what's going on? All right, now. I'm here where I wanted to be. But you're so dumb. And you're so manipulative that you try to change every environment that you're in. Because if you're not going to be happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. And if you're not going to have peace, ain't nobody going to have peace. And that is not going down in my house. I'll tell you right quick. Everybody know in my house, you're counting this fall. I'll give you a couple minutes after that. You got to go. You just got to go. <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. My dog is happy. Look at him. Tails wagging. All the time, they just happy. Roman, wake up happy. He just, he just happy all the time. They eat happy, sleep happy, play happy. I'm happy for the most part. 
Shamar happy? For the most part, Taylor happy? I mean, seriously, my house is great right now. And I never know when it's not. So the fact that somebody's trying to come in and wants to manipulate my entire environment based off the stuff they got going in their lives, this means war. Because you're on my territory. This means war. I feel the same way at my home as I do in this house of God. Your nasty attitudes, despondent looks, scrunched up faces. You're trying to change the atmosphere here. Because let me tell you something. You know how to lie with your face. Oh, when you really want to lie, your face don't show nothing. Oh, you just, hey, uh-uh, everything fine. It's fine. Well, do that now. Do it now. Because when you wanted to keep everything a secret, you wouldn't have a problem smiling in my face. Are you having intense feelings? Smile then with your little deceptive self. I'm looking at everybody ain't smiling. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. See, I know them smiles work. They do. It's dumb to me. Because what you're really saying is, I want Satan to know and everybody else to know, I am displeased with this event. I'm not 100% in line with what pastor is preaching. And everybody needs to know by my body language. I've been in your seat and got cut up by my pastor. And I determined in myself to go. Because as a leader in the body of Christ, I cannot afford for my emotions to discourage somebody else. Amen. Amen. But you don't even care. You just let everybody go down with you. Jesus. Way down the whole praise and worship service. Just heavy. Stephon's dance was so good. And y'all barely responded the way you should have. You're heavy. Dark. This is the kind of stuff that I'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? I talk to people. I'm like, I don't know why people don't love the Lord. Yeah. He's the nicest person I ever met. Yeah. He is so kind and extremely wise and very powerful. Yes. And he's just. And he's a good listener. Mm -hmm. And he really takes time to get to know you. I mean, he, what is it that you would give him up for? But that's the people that keeps going back and forth. You keep giving him up for something. You can't be fully committed because you're so unsure that you don't want to. I don't know if I want to let all this other stuff go. And you know the stuff I'm talking about. The stuff that you feel on your inside that if I really commit to God, he may not want me to have that type of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you feel like you got to keep trying to make it for yourself and make it and you love God. And make going to church is not going to satisfy that. Just because you come to church every Sunday does not mean you are fully committed to God. It means you are fully committed to hypocrisy. You're fully committed to what people think about you. Oh, yeah, get upset. Get real upset. 
oh, I hope you get so upset that that demon just start acting out. And we all can just look in amazement. Don't understand it. I try to wrap my mind around it, Mimo. I really do. I look at people and I go, this for that? If you can't call on nobody for help, if you can't lean on nobody for help, if you can't really ask nobody to help you out of an impossible situation you know you can go to Jesus and you gonna give that up for this it's dumb sit on down that's why I be thinking what is wrong with you and when you in the house of God it seems yeah that's right we shouldn't be but for some reason that don't translate out there when you get back to your regular life, now you're out there doing your regular life thinking, well, I do need to make this work and I need to make that work and what about this? And so all of a sudden, how you feel right now is not there. Why? Why? And for some of you, what you are out there is always going to start showing up in here. Ain't no way it's not. You're always going to show it some kind of way. Maybe arguing with people unnecessarily, right? Maybe being unforgiving. Maybe being always late. Maybe not wanting to stand when it's time to stand. Not wanting to clap when it's time to clap. Not wanting to give your tithes and offerings. Somehow, what you are out there, it shows up in here. Because you look like the person that came to a wedding and you ain't got no wedding garments. It is so obvious. I hope you feel uncomfortable. Hope your insides want to yell, scream, tug on your flesh. Hope you just feel like, oh, she's coming for me. I'm going to just do whatever she tells me to do. I'll just look like this. But my insides, dark. Oh, so dark. Oh, so dark. You know, I decided to go out with Alexis. We had a good time. We enjoyed ourselves. Somebody said, you going out there to get a man? No, I'm going out there to be nice and sexy for myself. For myself. Just for myself. I ain't getting no numbers. I ain't want no numbers. I'm not trying to holler. One man said, I'm a part-time accountant. I said, what do you do? I said, what do you do full-time? He said, I'm a spiritualist. I said, baby, this ain't going to work. He said, I can respect that. I said, Amen. I ain't even, I ain't even like flirt to like be nice. I, I look, I, he came up to me. I looked him up and down just like this. I said, well, you, you somewhat attractive. He wasn't that tall. He was like this tall. 
you got confidence. Then I just simply said, what do you do for a living? I ain't playing no games. Does my directness make you uncomfortable? I'm a direct person. If you can't stand it now, you ain't going to be able to stand it later. That's what y'all be messing up at. You're trying to be other people to be attractive and then you can't maintain that. I'm going to show you who I am up front. Hello? That way you ain't ever got to worry. So when you start, start to not like who I really am, you know the problem is with you and not with me. Hello? Yep, so it was darkness. So much darkness all around. And I don't mean the people that was dancing on the dance floor. I wish I did. It was so much darkness that Satan really thought that because I had a couple glasses of a little something, no juice, no juice, that I'm going to be out of my mind. No, that somehow I'm so inebriated. And so sexy and attracted to lust that I just lose my mind. I had to flat out tell Satan, I hated you before this wine and I hate you after. Ain't, don't none of my feelings change about you. Nor are you disguising yourself very well. If I saw you before this, I see you now. And to be honest, I think every believer has the ability to do that no matter how inebriated you might become. You just allow your inebriation to tell you that you can't. But you can. You just don't want to. Well, maybe you can't. I don't know. I don't know your life. Maybe you ain't got no spirit regenerated by God. If that's the case, you can't. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Reformation through worship. Reformation through worship. Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 through 2. When you're there, say amen. Reformation through worship. Amen. Romans chapter 12. <laughs> Verse 1 through 2. Are you guys there? Did your app update? All right. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. So if you had a couple of, you know, juice, and you can't discern what the will of God is, it ain't the juice. It ain't the juice. It's your spirit. You ever do something that was so crazy 
that when you look back, you was like, what the heck was I thinking? But when you was doing it, it just seemed perfectly reasonable. Darkness. That's the time that you were totally engulfed in darkness. Satan had buffeted you, overtaken you, whatever you want to say. You were under his influence. Because when you look back, you go, what in the world made me do that? Other people go, girl, that ain't like you. Boy, that is, man, that ain't who you are. What is going on? And you'd be like, you know what? I don't even know. Then you try to figure out stuff naturally. You know, well, I did have a bad day. And, you know, I had that phone call, you know, and, and you know, I got my, my bills is all. And you try to really look at it from an earthly standpoint to say that these are the reasons. The reason is, if you could look up at me so much, thank you kindly, is your spirit is off. He, either he too little to fight against your soul or flesh, or you ain't been regenerated by God. And in my opinion, I don't know how your spirit man so little with all this preached words you get that's, that's according to the word of God. Well, these claps are so sparse. They're like... Romans 12, 1 through 2. He said, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Your physical body has to be presented to him as a living sacrifice. This sacrificial pre presentation is, ref is referencing how the Jews would present other sacrifices like lambs and goats and pigeons or doves or, or whatever, and they would present uh, wheat or oil, and they would offer it to God as a sacrifice of their daily living. They would offer it unto the Father in obedience, and they had to offer it the way he said. Right? And the faith was, if I do it the way you say, then I'll have the blessings you say that come with it. So even the offering of the sacrifices required a level of faith and obedience because you can't have one without the other. If you can't obey, it's because something wrong with your faith. Hello? Right. If you got faith but no obedience, you ain't really got faith. Paul is pleading with them that by every mercy that God would extend, that they now, instead of offering goats and lambs, that by faith they offer their own bodies. All right? This particular uh, example is coming from the idea of persecution and at the threat of death. He's saying, please. Even present yourself in such a manner as a living sacrifice. And it's what I think is amazing. If you go down to the next uh, part of that verse, it says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? It's, my translation says spiritual worship. 
It's the uh, English Standard Version, so it's got a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which he says, your spiritual worship. He's saying, how you present your body to me thus becomes a form of worship in the spirit. I'll say it again. Paul reveals that the father says, how you present your body to me, Mm -hmm. right, is a form of worship in the spirit. In the Old Testament, they weren't doing that per se. They were being obedient, and through their obedience, it was counted as righteousness, and they had faith. But now that Christ has been uh, crucified, resurrected, and ascended, and the Holy Spirit is now indwelling in mankind, when you present your body, you are offering spiritual worship. Now, if you offer your body as a believer unto Satan, then to whom do you think you're worshiping? Provided you're a believer and you've got a regenerated spirit. You're going to take that same spirit, which is in this body, and you're going to tell your spirit with this body that we're going to do something that God doesn't want, but Satan does. And you expect that that's not worshiping of Satan or idolatry. Baby, that's all it is. You've taken the body of God, the life force that he created, and you told Satan he could use it as long as he gives you a little something, something. Just give me a little little love. From somebody, give me a little relationship. Give me a little boo thing I could call my own. Give me a little money. Give me a little notoriety, a little success. Let people know. Give me, give me a little I told you so to the people. You know, I always thought I wouldn't go make it. Just give me a little of that. In exchange, you can have my body. What did you think you were doing? It ain't that deep. It's always been that deep, baby. You are born after the ascension of Christ. (laughs) You're not born in the Old Testament. You're born where the spirit of the Lord has regenerated your spirit and brought you back to life. And then you choose to take that body and tell it, Satan, you you can have my body. Do whatever you want. And what are you sacrificing? What are you offering? Your body, your will, the very soul that God gave you is what you're offering to him. You tell me how to feel, Satan. You tell me what to think. You tell me how to judge it. That's why when you get done, you look back, you're like, what was I thinking? Everything he wanted you to think. I don't know why I felt like that. You felt everything he wanted you to feel. And he plays you like a little puppet. Be angry. Angrier, more, 2% more, okay, down 1%. Be hurt, be hurt like you've never been hurt before. More, more hurt. Be so hurt you can't hear anything. 
be frustrated and agitated more. 50% more agitation. Be sleepy. More sleepy. Come on, be more sleepy. You are feeling and thinking everything Satan wants you to feel and think. And you expect me to have sympathy for you while you are willingly allowing your spirit to come under subjection to a demonic force. No. If you had just walked in the door and you'd never been in this church before, you hadn't had the preach word or the gospel really talk to you, maybe. But not you. So present your bodies and then that becomes spiritual worship. Whoa. I'm doing something physical. And what I'm doing physically becomes an aspect of worship spiritually. When the Old Testament believers offered things physically, it was not spiritual worship. It was just worship. Now that Christ has come and and the spirit of God dwells in you, regenerating your spirit. Now when you do something with your physical body, it is now translated in the spirit. When I preach words now, it is translated in the spirit to have a spiritual effect on those who are of the spirit. Demons included. I was talking to Taylor the other day. Let me use your example. Okay, great. <laughs> and she said lately she hadn't been able to sleep. She's been having bad dreams, nightmares. In my house? I said, oh, no, baby. We're going to have to pray before you go to bed. That's, that's unacceptable here. Never, ever in the history. No. And so I said, just remind me in case I forget. And she did. She said, Pastor, will you pray me? I said, oh, yes, baby. Yes, 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 yes. I prayed a relatively quick prayer. I said, good night. And she woke up. Did you have any nightmares? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Number one, the Lord gave me that house. <laughs> he bought, him bought it for me. <laughs> to this day, I don't know how I got it. Must have been him. This is the place of peace that he provided for me mm-hmm. and anyone that I would welcome in. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Satan just can't be willy-nilly around my space. Oh, no. And some of y'all are so silly, you don't even know you have that right. You can't just torment me in my sleep. Have you lost? You know who did Taylor and she is a, I'm going to tell you today, leave her alone. And left her alone. We target the area of her heart that he might try to attach. Ask the Lord to restore that, fill it. And Satan had no place. I'm trying to teach you stuff that you think you know, but you don't know. If you knew, you wouldn't be doing it. So now the spirit of God dwells in man after Christ's ascension and crucifixion and resurrection. 
Now what we do in our bodies translates into the actual spirit. That's what he says. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth. He says now what you do here has a lasting effect in the spirit. Now see how dumb you feel. You just summoning legions of demons. And you're so silly. How many people believe that this is an effective church of God? If that is true and all you think this, right? Satan never wants this church to remain. If this church can be corrupt, then he's won more than just a mega church being corrupt. Or, and I don't say mega, that's, that's the wrong connotation. Uh, it's more than just a very lukewarm church being corrupt. A church that is constantly eating the gospel, constantly gathering, constantly being approached by truth against lies, and you decided to join this church. It's got benefits. But it also comes with a call to fight. But you keep forgetting that this is not about you. Which is why you have so much contention with me. Because you think everything is about how you feel and how your life is going and your past and what you've been dealing with and what you've been going through. A couple people this morning said they were sick, can't come to church. I said, what's wrong with you? I'm not doing this for everybody. Please don't do that. But every once in a while, when I know the topic and you ain't coming, this is me putting a little pressure on you. You sure you want to do that? I got better things to do than text you in the morning. So if I decide to text you on a Sunday morning, please know that the Lord is trying to find you. How many people have I ever texted you about you on a, mor- on, a, on a Sunday morning? Maybe one time, two times. People are like, none. Right. That's how powerful I know the Holy Spirit wants to move today. But I'm not here to pressure and, and control you. I'll simply say, did your medicine work? If it has, try to come to church. That's it. That's my whole. Oh, you want me to say the Lord told me that you need. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I ain't going to let Satan know all the plans. You can't flow with me. You just can't flow with me. You don't understand what that means. When Shamar first got here, he didn't understand that when I when I just say something, you know, you know, you know, hey, you know, it'd be nice if we could just kind of pick that up. He didn't know that that meant, boy, you better pick that thing up. Hello? He had to ask his mama. When I, he, he didn't know. But I was like, oh, man, I really wish you hadn't done that. It means, what in the world were you thinking? How could you dare do that in this house? Have you lost your mind? It's the same thing. It's real quiet. As long as Satan ain't involved, it's quiet. When Satan involved, it get loud. He ain't never had to use Satan. I ain't never had no problems. It's real quiet. He didn't know that that's the same saying. Ain't got a need to over control, pressure you to do things that I know you should do. And over time, 
he began to learn me. He said one day, he said, because he had did something in the laundry room that I hated, probably left something in his pockets or something. <laughs> and I said, oh, you left stuff in your pockets. And I'm cleaning this stuff out. He's like, I'm sorry, cuz. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. He says, I don't even know if you remember. He says, man, it's that look of disappointment I can't stand. <laughs> a kid that is, a young man that is used to being yelled at to tell what to do is now in an environment where I ain't doing all that. Your mama raised you. You got a, you got a mama. I am not her. You're going to have to be grown because you are grown. And you can pick up on social cues. And you have an understanding of what sacrifice and generosity is. I'm going to need you to be an adult. And it's different with Taylor. Taylor's still an adolescent right now. She's getting told what to do all the time. And she does not mind. She goes above and beyond. Her mama did that right. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 21. 21 through 24. When you're there, say amen. Are you there, John chapter 4? Verse 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. If your spiritual worship is offering your physical body as a living sacrifice, and you lend your body to Satan, it is not possible that you are worshiping God. You can't have two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other. Some of you have an outright disdain for Christianity. You know how I know? Because if God would permit you to have that sin, you do it. But every law that he set in place in our hearts is one of righteousness. It's a good law. It's good for you. It's good to you. Everything about it because he's righteous. So when you say, if God didn't disapprove, I would still do it. Then what you're really telling us emphatically is that your spirit is serving Satan and is never truly worshiping God. Because you don't even like what he likes. You don't even hate what he hates. So you can think you serve God, but it's very clear as you oscillate back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Covered in darkness, dripping in sin. But the hour is coming and is now here where, when the true worshipers. As an indication that there are some that are false worshipers of God. 
who serve themselves, work for success, work for money, work for notoriety. Some of you got to prove to people that didn't believe in you that you could do something. That is your God. That is where you present your body. The individuals that were sick and couldn't come to service, it was, it was odd to me. Because I'd be sick. I'd be sick. Right? And some Sundays, I'd be sick, sick. But if the Lord gave me a word for Sunday, if he has need of me on Sunday, then that is where I will be. And this body that is sick is going to be drug sick to the house of God because I surrender my body as a living sacrifice. I can't make you tough when you're weak. A punk is going to stay a punk. Your whole inside's got to change for something like that. If you're always giving up, you're always going to give up. I can't teach you that. It's a nature. If you're selfish and you want to be unselfish, it can't be taught. It's the spirit of the individual. A liar can't be taught not to lie. It's the spirit of the individual. A fornicator, fornicator cannot not be a fornicator. It is the spirit of the individual. I can't teach that to you. And in this house, I try to come up with boundaries. Don't be alone by yourself. Don't do this. Don't do that. Make, 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 make the man to church. And, uh, don't do things at night. You're going to sin because you want to sin. It is your nature. Satan has beguiled you. Or maybe he didn't beguile you. Maybe you were just sitting here, been working with Satan your whole entire life, and just sitting here to look like you're a believer in the midst of other believers so that those who are truly following God might think that even if you love God the most, you'll still end up doing stuff like this. I ain't rushing. Be awkward. Be in pain. I'm coming for you. Wherever those demons reside, I'm coming there. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He's looking for the type of people that have a spirit that can worship him in truth. Like have yielded their entire self. Those are the people he's looking for. Do you want to know why I'm so blessed? It's because I've yielded my entire self. And he, his eye is always upon me. And I don't mean passively. Yeah. I mean passionately and aggressively. Because <laughs> he's so nice. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
Now we learned that to worship in the spirit is to surrender your body as a living sacrifice, right? But the end truth part is a twofer. It's as if you can't worship in the spirit if it's not in truth. And you can't worship with truth if you're not worshiping by the spirit. If everything that we see was made by what we can't see, which is words, and words define truth, then you can only worship physically in your body when there is truth in your heart. If everything that we see physically was made by what we can't see, which is words, and words define truth, then you cannot worship God in your body when not without having truth in your heart. Those exaggerations you like to do right before you sin, lies. But the Lord knows my heart, evil. What, you think I'm scared to say it? I had an evil heart. Satan used me in the church. And I ain't shucking jive away from it. When I recognized the devil was using me, I became increasingly aware to the point that I had to fight both spiritually and physically to resist. Because ain't no way I'm going to keep letting Satan use me against my God. Amen. Amen, Pastor. I'm so disloyal. wrong with you well, that's what it is it's a lack of loyalty this ain't say loyal it's a lack of loyalty it's a lack of faithfulness no matter your justification your spirit is wrong Now look at you, used up by Satan. He just had his way with you. For how long? A couple of months? Years? You've been going back and forth for how long? Because it's the back and forth. It ain't just the fourth. You only want to count now because you, you're going forward. But you can ask me. I'll tell you your patterns. That forward is going to turn into a backward, as it has always done. So, let them use you. <laughs> you don't hold truth in your heart. I like when the Bible says that they love the deception. They, were, they became lovers of the lies. You can tell when somebody's loving a lie 
because they will argue with you when you try to expose the truth. They'll overtalk you, want to shut you up, want to move on to something else. You're loving the lie because the lie is allowing you to hide something you ain't got no business hiding. Because darkness don't like to be exposed. And I love shining a flashlight. Not because I like to see you're your, your down bad. I don't care nothing about that. It's because I just like to tick Satan off. <laughs> I mean, he's still going to stay because you don't want him to go. But at least since he's tormenting me in my presence, I'm going to torment him. <laughs> thing about conflict with believers is, is that Satan is going to keep you in the line of fire, which is me, for as long as he can, right? And then he's going to have to take you out because in a minute you might break. He's going to have to make you feel like just, just ignore it, just smile and just ignore it, just say yes, ma'am, just shut down. Just close off. Because he can't afford for you to actually break with truth. He needs you to break on your own when you get home. Don't break under the anointing. Go home. Think about it. And then break. Because now it's not helpful to the body of Christ. Now you just, you continue to feel like you're actually changing when you're not changing. Because when you were confronted with the truth, you fought against it. And then you think you've come to an epiphany. You knew it was a lie from the jump. Or you still listen to him on the conversation. Ain't that a blip? I've seen people. You are those people that have lied, been caught in a lie, right? And then when they go to apologize for lying, they still don't tell the truth. Now, this this is hilarious to me because I know now the demon of deception is right in front of my face. Because the only reason you came here or called me to tell the truth is because the Holy Spirit was working. But when you got in my presence, that demon that was playing possum stood up again. And now you still can't quite tell the whole truth because he is the one you've been worshiping. You reverence him more than the truth of God. You reverence keeping that preserving that than the truth. And you really think I don't know. I just be looking at how conniving you are. The Bible say, know those that labor among you. I just want to know what I'm working with. What your face look like when you lie. How your eyes shift. How your stories go. And then for some cases, uh, Minister Hudson, I like to know the depths of somebody's depravity. Like you'll just take everybody down. It don't even matter.
at least have the wherewithal. If I know Satan is using me, I ain't going to compound the problem by trying to tear down somebody else. Anyway. (laughs) You can tell because that demon won't even let you say the truth now. You're still finessing your words. And this is the funny part. You think I can't hear. I am, I have, number one, I have excellent hearing. Number two, <laughs> number two, I know words. <laughs> I know words. I know the implications of words. I know the things said or not said. I know why this was ordered in a certain way. Every time you say something to my ears, I am constantly evaluating because it's words. That's why your jokes ain't funny to me. That's why I don't like this, because it's words. You live by the tongue, you die by the tongue. Yeah. You're so good at finessing, now you're finessing yourself right to hell. You're so good at hiding, now you're hiding yourself. You love that so much, now you're stuck. And the one person that is this. This the catcher. The one person that God sent in your life that you could tell the utmost disgusting and grossest thing that you got going on without any judgment and a dedication to help you clean it up. That's the person you lied to? I don't understand you. What is wrong with you? I could see if I show one thing and did another. I could act like I'm for you, but I really ain't. Or I say I'm a help, but I really don't. You ask me for a workshop, I give you a workshop. You want a budgeting class? I say, okay, you get a budgeting class. You want a counseling session? I give you a counseling session. You want a meeting? I give you a meeting. You want to just go hang out and talk? We can go hang out and talk. Whatever it is you think you might need to assist with this darkness you got going on is offered freely. And you have the audacity to lie. And then when you claim you're telling the truth, lie again. You can't even resist your own God to serve the one true living God. And you tell me you're free. No, you're in cahoots with Satan, baby. He's going to have that influence until you, until you tell me the truth. And nothing but the truth. To any individual, it's not just me. That secrecy binds you to him. Because Satan hides where? In secrecy. You think you got away because you confessed some of it, knowing you finagled it in a way where the whole truth, and number one, you think I can't see that demon. And for some of y'all, I've known you way too long. I know exactly how you lie. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth. Keep the secret. 
because he's more important. Keep it because the alliance you made with him is more important. That's fine. At least I know whose side you want. Let's go to Genesis. Must present your bodies a living sacrifice. When I hear that statement, I constantly have ringing in my ears just churchy words. <laughs> Must present your body a living sacrifice. I be like, oh, that means I want to smoke, but I don't smoke. Here go my sacrifice. Right? I, I want to drink, but I'm not going to drink. Here go my sacrifice. I'm not going to let my body drink. Here's my sacrifice. Right? I'm not going to buy that. I'm going to give it to the church. Here's my sacrifice. When I hear it, I just think of churchy stuff that I'm not supposed to do. And when I, when I agree to not do it, then this is my sacrifice. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Anybody else think that? Oh, yeah, that ain't what the Bible's saying. Because <laughs> that's how you end up comparing your sins. Like, at least I didn't do this sin. Well, at least we didn't go all the way. Well, at least I told you some of it. Well, at least I didn't do it on Sunday. What the world? Well, at least I came to church. <laughs> this is your living sacrifice. Because I didn't want to come to church. Because I knew I was going to get cut up. And I came. Here's my living sacrifice. <laughs> uh, is it? Is it while Satan is using you? Is this a living sacrifice? Or is he persistently and consistently using you to tie up my service? You present your living sacrifice, I smack it down. Nobody want that. You're being used by Satan. Smack back. <laughs> nope. Not accepted. They can't convince me to accept it. <laughs> this is so good. That's what I always thought, to offer your body a living sacrifice. If we allow scripture to interpret scripture, then just resisting doing something we want to do is not necessarily what he's talking about. And in context, that's not what Paul was talking about. He was talking about dying. You gonna, they're going to they're gonna martyr you in a minute. <laughs> and present your body a living sacrifice. Please, please keep going with it. Right? So then this, this generates the idea of life, right? And I tried to find, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, okay, you're, you're, I was writing a sermon. You're not telling me nothing. What do you want me to, how do you want me to go and, you know, stuff? And I was like, I need an example. Give me an example in the Bible of a person who had ups and downs in their lives, but I could see that they yielded themselves to you. Through all the ups and downs, they just constantly yielded themselves to you. This individual is Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph had a rough and abusive childhood. Yeah. Hello, somebody. He was put in slavery. He was lied on, yeah. talked about. Huh? Yeah. 
He had a very rough life. He had major disappointments, major disappointments for that lasted for years while he was disappointed in the worst circumstance ever, like prison. Terrible family, terrible life experience, all of his adolescent years, horrible. Right? But he remained faithful. He remained faithful. And through his faithfulness, everything that God said would happen to him is exactly what happened to him. He was a leader and a ruler. Even his family dynamics, they were healed through him, not through the family. God healed his heart so much that he could then use healing in his own family, even if his family didn't change. I mean, his story turned out amazing. Did it not? Amazing. And I thought that's what we're going to talk about today, but it's not. (sighs) Come on, Alexis. (laughs) Because this then made me think, well, what's up with Joseph? How did he get here? Joseph is the son of Jacob. Am I right? (laughs) Joseph is the son of Jacob all right he's the youngest him and his brother I think it was Joseph and Benjamin and he was favored because he had uh, 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 Isaac had him in his old age huh yeah Abraham Isaac Jacob and Esau okay Making sure I got my lineage right. Right? And when it comes to having kids in your old age, they got a lot of benefits. They do. Parents is more financially stable, more emotionally healthy, a little bit more lenient, tired. The disadvantages are just like they worry about their parents dying. And they will have to take care of their parents at a younger age than their older siblings. But for the most part, a child born in a family when the parents is old, is they gonna look like they love the most. It's just what it's just it's just gonna happen. Because the parent has changed. Hello? Because the parent has changed. Y'all be kids thinking that your parents remain stagnant. I'm the only one growing, you're not. So in Genesis chapter, what did I tell you a chapter? (laughs) Okay, so Joseph is the son of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. So Jacob, let's go look at that life, because that's the one I like. Jacob. Jacob and Esau. Hello? If you look at all of the Bible... From Genesis to Revelation, there is a running theme of selection and acceptance of selection through obedience with God. Let me do it. Somebody say it again because y'all, I shifted points and then y'all was like, la, 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 and I need you to know this point. All right. Throughout the entire Bible, there's a running theme of people being selected, right? 
and being used by God and accepting that use. The covenant of God always ran through people that God picked and that they agreed and surrendered. And even their mistakes somehow were uniquely a part of what God was doing. I mean, clearly that was bad character, Jacob. Oh, but look, the Lord going to give you the blessing anyway. Look at there. Huh? How did that? How did that? How did that happen? Because the blessings ain't given based off of how good you are. Blessings are given according to the purposes of God. Jacob and Esau, they were born twins, and Jacob was trying to come out first, and, but Esau came out first, and they were brothers. All right, let's fast forward. <laughs> Jacob made a stew, and Esau had, was out in the wilderness hunting, and he asked for some stew, right? I'm sorry, this is Genesis chapter 21. Uh, no, Genesis, uh, Genesis 25. Thank you, Genesis 25. Are you there? So, uh, verse 29. Thank you, Danny. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Let's stop right there. From Genesis to Revelation... There's a running theme of God picking somebody for his purposes, a person or a nation, and them agreeing to that in obedience to God. The birthright, okay, the birthright is about the firstborn son, right? The firstborn son. The birthright typically goes to the firstborn son. What we know about it is that that firstborn son takes uh, the responsibility of the family when the father passes. He takes the, the leadership role. He goes from prince to king, right, of the household. He has the blessings of the monetary of the household because he is the responsible for, for distributing it to his other siblings and ruling and judging things. He's now the patriarch of the family, right? If there's a disagreement between the two brothers, he's the one that's going to show up and be like, look, you need to go sit down somewhere. And they're supposed to listen because he's the eldest, and that's his birthright, yeah. right? Hello? This firstborn is only determined by God himself. No matter what Jacob tried to do, the firstborn is only determined by God. You can't pick your 
firstborn. Like, uh, let me get this one first and then that one second. <laughs> Which is why I think it's an abomination when elder siblings do not enjoy taking care of younger siblings. Because all you're doing is perpetuating the idea that our entire household is about ourselves and not one another. I have people come to me and disagree. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? You're a family. I be looking, thinking, why don't you like and enjoy taking care of your siblings? You're, you're, you're in the family. You're the next in line. And these individuals, especially if it's a boy, will always look at me and, be, and despise the idea that they always have to take care of. And I always got to get them. I always got to do this. And I always got to do that. And so what they're really doing is despising their birthright. I don't want to take care of this family. I don't want to take care of the kids. I don't want to be the one in charge. I don't want to do it. But you're the firstborn. And the firstborn was determined by God himself. It seems like an abomination. Some type of sick demon of selfishness and hurt that just won't turn your soul loose. Because you'll be loving and kind to everybody else. But the household you were selected for. Because I don't think it's fair that I always have to be the one to take them to school. I always got to be the one to get up and wait to make the bread. I always got to be the one. Blah, 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 blah. And so y'all think I would never despise my birthright. You despise your birthright every day. Especially the ones that are like, what is wrong with you? Because, how do I know you despise your birthright? Because if it wasn't a sin, you'd do it. You hate the idea that God said no. So because he said no, and that is now a part of your Christian birthright, as you are born again into the household of faith, you despise the idea that God said no because there's something in you that wants what he doesn't want, and thus you don't like your position in the household of God. You don't like your position. You don't like the fact that God said stop getting drunk. So you make up all these reasons why it's so hard for you. It's so hard for me because, 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 because. And I always had it bad because nobody loved me. I never knew my father. <laughs> and all of these justifications, while they may make your position difficult, does not change the fact that God determined your birth. If he said, I'm calling you to salvation, no matter how difficult salvation is for you, does not remove his calling. It just makes you disobedient. And we'll all know why. Because you had to get a little bit of tail, I mean oxtail in the stew from the lentil.
I've been in bondage to sin before. It's a horrible, dark experience as a believer. I was in bondage because I didn't know when I got in how hard it was going to be to get out. And I'm like, I'm going to get out. I'm like, oh, this is real hard. <laughs> I'm done with this. Oh, this is harder than I thought. <laughs> and I kept thinking, I can get out. I can get out. I can get out. I can will myself to no longer desire this thing. It didn't work. I couldn't will myself to no longer desire it. I had to love God more. I had to determine in my saved born again self that by faith I really was born again. Can't nobody help me today. God, you don't want to believe that you're born again. You like to believe you're still your old nature from time to time. Because if you really had to believe that you were born again, then there is no sin that could hold you fast. So you believe that you are not quite always born again because you don't want to let it go. When I really realized that I was born again, I said, I don't care what hell I got to go through. I'm done with this. Oh, Satan put up a fight. And I've been done with it. And I ain't gone back. Because I love God more. And I believe that he gave me a new nature. And so the struggle between not wanting to do something and wanting to do something was clearly seen because the part of me that doesn't want to do the thing that I shouldn't do, that part of me has been made alive by God. And now the thing that I don't want to do is not the thing that I do, but the thing that I do want to do, I now have the ability with a new spirit to actually do the thing that I want to do. So I know by faith. You bore me again. I've seen enough change in my life to identify that. I don't know what the heck this is, but you made me new. You gave me the ability to not be enslaved to this. I don't need to be enslaved to the alcohol. I don't need to be enslaved to, to the weed, to the pills, to the sex, to the relationship. None of it. Because I got a new nature. And as soon as it hits my spirit that this is wrong, by my nature, I walk right on out. By my nature. That's why I be trying to figure out what's wrong with y'all. Ain't nothing and no demon in hell strong enough to hold you unless you want to be held. So stop giving me these old sad stories. You like it over there. You like it over there drunk. You like it over there lustful. You like it over there as a manipulator. Manipulator. You just like it over there better. Because when you're over here with God, it's all the stuff you can't do. And I can't do that. And I can't do this. And my life is so miserable. So I like it over there where it just seems like it's a little bit better. You do not deserve the kingdom of God. Because his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
you got darkness. Like some drug addict constantly looking for your next hit before you come down from your high. That's really what you're doing. You're just in between puffs. And as soon as you feel your high coming down, you got to add something to it. Because you can't deal with the idea that you know you're of a new nature and you don't want to change. So I got to keep puffing. Keep puffing. Keep taking it in. Every cycle, keep taking it in. Every couple of months, keep taking it in. Keep taking it in. No, 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 I can't ever be free from, from, from pornography because, you know, you know, it's my flesh. You know what I'm saying? No, I can't ever not smoke weed because I can't really get through my day. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, every once in a while, I got to have a drink. You know what I'm saying? Just to kind of relax me to go to bed. And all of these lies. Just lies. If you're born again, then you're born again. What is wrong with you? I just got to sit there and just listen to it. And at some point, I'm just, I'm disgusted. You have to be born again or don't. Stop coming here. Go somewhere else. Sorry. There's a million churches. Ain't no more gospel but this gospel I can preach. How many times I talk about Christ, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension in this message? There's no more gospel. There's nothing else. Christ can't be slain again. There's no other monumental thing that is going to happen in your life in order to spawn change. That thing has already happened. Right. <laughs> you just don't want to believe it. Because it holds you accountable. You can't play locked up when every believer knows it ain't even locked. Help me. I just, in my, my childhood, just, uh, I can't because I was abused. I can't because I didn't ever had anything. Are you born again? Yes. Free. Yeah. And you can't convince another believer that had the same similar stuff, bad childhood, running from the cops, who knows? People got rough times, and they get born again, but oh no, you're the only one still chained to born again. You're a liar. We just don't know which way you're lying. Are you lying saying you're saved and you're not? Huh? Huh? Are you, are you lying there? You saying you're saved, but, you, but you're really enslaved to Satan? Or are you lying in the idea that you don't know if you're saved, but you keep presenting it that you're saved? We just don't know which way you're lying. I'm saved, but I can't get out. That's a lie. Or uh, I, um, I, I, I am saved. And I, I don't know. I forgot my opposite. The opposite of that one. <laughs> <sighs> They're both lies. They're both lies. You can't be saved and practice sin. The Bible says so. What is practice? What do you do leading up to the sin? Do you do that? Then that's practice. Ain't that how games go? Yeah. 
you do the things you need to do for the actual game. So you can perfect it. Hmm? So now this time when you sin, it's real good at covered up. You know what we're going to do this time? We're going to use a different phone number. <sighs> Just in case Pastor asked to see the phone records. Well, you perfected this thing. What we're going to do is we're going to show her only the text part where I look good. <laughs> oh, you perfected this baby. You've been practicing sin, and you've gotten really good at it. You need to be born again. Esau despised his birthright. I hate the fact that I have this conflict between what I want and what God wants. Do you recognize what you're saying? If God determines the birthright, who's going to be born first? Who he's going to use to carry on his will is what the birthright means. Forget the blessing that comes with it. This person has been selected and ordained by God to carry out his will throughout his family. And what you're telling us is you don't like the fact that God picked you through his son's blood in order to carry out his will because you like your will more. You got your own separate will. I'd do it if it wasn't a sin. I'd marry her and I'm a her if it wasn't a sin. I'd marry him and if he was a him, I, I, I'd go ahead and drink everything if it wasn't this. If, it, if God wasn't displeased, that's your will. You're despising your own birthright. You've been selected by God through Christ to live out the will of the only creator we've ever known. called by God to move in the will of God, the one that created heaven and earth. You were selected by him. He died for it, that you could love doing his will. And you're going to give that up for a pot of stew? What is wrong with you? You're an idiot. Because you know the truth, and the truth is that he picked you. He called you to salvation. You know he died on the cross for your sins. And yet you despise that calling. Because it limits what you want. And the only reason it does that is because your spirit is bad. Because a regenerated spirit in Christ wants what God wants. I don't want the pain that has to come with it, but I'll take the pain if that's what he wants. Duh. I'm sick. I can't come to church. I'm going to, I'm, I'm preaching that message. Plug me up. Stop me up. I don't know what you got to do, but I'm fulfilling the will of God. I will present this body broken. Hello, somebody uncomfortable in pain. I could be poor. I could be sick, but I will present this body and it will accomplish the will of the creator. And it will accomplish the will of the creator. What is wrong with you? You were picked. 
As a Christian, I see, especially now during the war, I see the dedication of, of Muslims. Their prayers, their religious acts of kneeling three times a day. I go, look at that. They're so dedicated. Oh, five, five times, thank you. And I said, look, look at the ladies. They'll wear whatever they need to wear. They'll pray whenever they need to pray, even if everybody's looking. They'll eat whatever they need to eat. And then I look at Christians. And we have none of those rules. But we still can't do the very thing that is the spirit of God is unctioning us to do. The spirit of God is God's heart. We can't even do what's on his heart. And he tells you. He tells you. That it's not on my heart for you, baby. That's not what I prefer that you do with your life, sweetheart. The creator of all heaven and earth communicates with you. You have the most prestigious seat in the world and you despise it because he won't let you have a little pot of stew. Well, you know, I just get so hungry. I think I'm going to die. Lies. We look at that and go, that man wasn't going to die. And I say the same thing to you. It don't hurt that bad. If you're saved, it doesn't. If you're born again, not having that does not hurt that bad. If anything, it's glorious that I'm stepping right over my desires and fulfilling the will of God. It's a glorious thing. Look at what the power of the Spirit of God can cause me to do. I can will what God wills and I can perform it. I could will what God wants, and I can perform it. Gravity can't keep me from it. I can walk on water. Mountains can't keep me from it. And be thou removed. I've been empowered to want the will of God. And to do it. You need to get saved. Or you need to leave. These are only my members. We ain't got no guests. Because there's no more gospel I can preach. You might need to hear it in another way for another pastor who is more attuned to what you need. And I'd rather you do that than keep sitting in my house. I will have to turn you over. You better tell the truth. I'm coming for the lies. I'm not giving you a pass after today. I'm not trying to let you keep your dignity. You took advantage. If I think it's a lie, I'm going to tell you to your face. You're lying. Standing all over the house. 